and welcome to the fourth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Amber Sava. Amber is an actor and producer from London. She started off as a child in pantomimes and has since worked in film, television, and theater. Her musical theater roles have included Toby in Sweeney Todd, Princess Jasmine, and even a Transylvanian in Rocky Horror. She hosts the podcast Riffs and Scripts with her co-host Cole, and the two compared stories, jokes, pet peeves, and handy tips they have picked up from working in the performing arts. We're going to talk today about rock musicals. Hey, Amber, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Really enjoy your podcast, uh, Riffs and Scripts. So excited to, to have you here on Scene to Song. So, Thank you so much. we're going to get started with our get to know our guest questions. And uh, we'll start with what was your first experience with a musical? So, um, it's hard to say for definite because I genuinely can't remember so far back from before I watched musicals. But I think I'd have to say um, watching Mary Poppins with my mum when I was like a toddler. One of my mum's friends says that she that she remembers that I knew all the words by the time I was like three. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Poppins was definitely like an iconic musical of my childhood. I absolutely loved it. Oh, nice. I loved that one as well as a kid and, you know, still to this day, but yeah. For sure. It's like <laughs> what I put on when I'm feeling unwell. Like, right. it's just so comforting and beautiful. And then, you know, it, in my head, it's in its own, it's in like a category with obviously the sound of music, but, you know, bed knobs and broomsticks and um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder one, mm-hmm. all of those, like, I think they were the ones that my mum gave me. And even though she's never really worked in, theater or the arts they they were definitely like the feel-good films that she put in front of me so yeah yeah definitely great great early musicals for people for sure um which musical has had the greatest impact on you oh gosh it's hard again it's so when when you get asked questions about like what's your favorite musical or what's the biggest this or that I my brain goes into overdrive and gives me like <laughs> 10 examples I've decided to go with Les Mis mm-hmm. and I think it's because it was you know the it was a real breakthrough moment in my love of musicals because I think the I think the first musical I saw live would have been Lion King because that's been on in London forever mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and it so you would take your child to see that first but Then um, I went to see Les Mis and I was still quite young, I think, you know, 11 or 12, which is quite young to see that show, but it just moved me in a whole new way that I don't think any one story had moved me yet. I think it was very much the start of my emotional Mm. growth seeing Les Mis and I still like in my head remember what they looked like even though it was so long ago like the first time I saw Little Fall of Rain I was I was just captivated by the emotion it's it's a very very emotional show it's not I wouldn't say it's a big spectacle the way that some old Hollywood musicals are it's really about big songs and relationships and loss and it just yeah it just made me go oh my gosh I didn't know I could feel like this. (laughs) (laughs) What's a musical people might be surprised to find out you love and why would they be surprised? So I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about cats. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we all get mad, the movie should not have happened. Uh... I distinctly remember, if you care enough, to fact check me scroll through my facebook about six years and when it got announced it was going to be made i put online this is not a good idea it's not going to translate to film there's not very much plot i don't know how you could make this into a movie you're going to ruin it (laughs) right so 
I'm not talking about the film. Let's talk about the musical. It's stunning. It is so incredible <laughs> for so many reasons. I was obsessed with it. I had it on VHS. Oh, and I used yeah. to just keep it in my bedroom. And like when adverts were on or when I didn't know what to watch, I would just put it on because it's it's brilliant. It's musically brilliant. It's it's one of the most famous musicals for dance and the choreography. And yeah, it's it's a child's story. So for me, again, it was one of those kind of gateway musicals to get me away from watching Oliver Twist and into seeing some of the other stuff. And mm-hmm. I do think it still has a cult following. And I didn't see it live till I was at uni. And I like... I was fangirling like crazy. I was like, oh my God, they're using the original choreo because I know the original choreo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, I think it's gotten such a bad rep and it's a shame because it just shouldn't have been adapted. I feel like it should have been left to become a little cult favourite because it was huge in the 80s. It was huge. Uh, but I think it should have just been left for the hardcore musical theatre fans to love <laughs> instead of trying to reinvent it. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Doing this podcast and having guests come on, I never realized how many people love cats, you know, that it comes up a lot, you know, as people's yeah. a show that people really do love and, and had these amazing experiences with. Um who is your favorite hero character or protagonist in a musical? And who is your favorite villain or antagonist in a musical? Oh, it's ah, difficult. Um, heroes are difficult because I, I think even more so in musicals, they're very clean cut. And I think we're getting it more and more where we're getting a bit more complexity. So Hamilton, I think, is a fantastic character. You you get you understand his drive and you you really feel for him and root for him sometimes even when he's in the wrong and you can be angry at him but still care about him and i think hamilton i mean as a musical has just absolutely changed the world of musical theater forever um and then also just again from a little personal perspective if i got to choose i would want to play eponine because again <laughs> i just think she's she's emotionally complex mm-hmm. and I like I like that complexity in a character yeah with villains I have two mm-hmm. <laughs> one would be Mrs. Lovett mm-hmm. because she is actually the most psychotic person in the show <laughs> like if we if we put our detective hats on she kept the razors right right why why <laughs> Why did you keep those razors and wait for him to come back? Why? She's the one who suggests the pies. If you listen to the opening of Little Priest, it's her going, such a shame. This person with all this juicy flesh on them, I can't waste that. She She is a devil on the shoulder through that entire show, but also she has got again such complex fun incredible music and Mm -hmm. songs and i just think it's so juicy for a performer um and then the other one i was going to say is miss hannigan Mm, yes i love miss hannigan and i think that she's so well written because when you're a child it's really easy to dislike her you know she's mean she (laughs) makes the kids clean and drink cold porridge but as an adult the humor in her is just hilarious and then she's also a baddie that isn't again clean cut evil um if things go too far she goes come on i didn't want to do this and i think that's great what is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state that you didn't think was possible to get to i would say it's quiet uptown mm. in Hamilton. I mean, to be fair, I'd say the whole second half of Hamilton, but we don't have time. So <laughs> this is this is what this is a spoiler. I wanted to just flag before I talk about it. Oh yeah, it's so it's so brilliant. If you haven't seen Hamilton in its fullest, just be aware. <laughs> um, but they've they've lost a child, and the level of grief that they are going through, and the way that it's written and performed is so like delicate you, they're fragile and you can feel their frailty and the, the lyrics you know 
um, they are going through the unimaginable and they say the word unimaginable over and over again. But it's also like it's quiet uptown. They've they've left the city. They've gone for space. And, you know, the, again, it's like his hair has gone gray. They say he walks the length of the city because all he can do is walk and think and process. And I just think that it represents grief in a way I did not think possible. Mm. It's stunning. Just so stunning. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Makes me cry every time. Yeah. Like every time. <laughs> it came on shuffle once while I was driving. I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Stay away! <laughs> yeah, I need to focus. Well, great. Let's move on to our topic, which is rock musicals and I'm really excited to talk about this with you I know you um know a lot about this and I personally know very little so I'm excited to learn from from you about especially the musicals uh we're going to talk about today so yeah I just wanted to start with you know kind of what how, how you would define a rock musical and um and I guess also what your background with with rock musicals is so in theory rock musicals should be my absolute favorite thing because they are my two favorite bits of art and music i love rock music i love rock. again it comes from my mom i grew up listening to bowie and the beatles and you know all of that um rock musicals um i would say are a musical performance you know that they've put a story into that is using usually already existing rock music and i would say already existing because actually they still very much theater it up so you know i some people refer to rent as a rock musical i don't know how much i agree with that <laughs> playing a guitar doesn't make it rock music sorry i love it i love rent but i i see rock musicals as things like bat out of hell and rock of ages and we will rock you there was actually a green day musical i never saw it but um, mm, i've seen um, clips yeah american idiot yeah yeah so it's kind of a jukebox musical that is specific to rock music i think that's the best way i can mm -hmm. describe it um now I'm going to do some critiques because I think part of loving something is really dissecting it and pulling it apart. Um, it's very difficult to cross mediums the way that, that rock musicals do. And I think that sometimes they fail to represent rock because they're, they're doing it in such a musical theatre way. You've got lots of like big shoulder bumping while someone's <laughs> pretending to play the guitar. When really guitarists are usually kind of like the chill one they're usually like they're not the front man they're not doing much singing in a band i mean and they're just they're like oh yeah look at my look at my amazing <laughs> solo so sometimes it's really difficult to match the energy mm -hmm. but rock music arguably more than any pop music genre is designed to be live more so than most things it's high energy it's fun it is emotional so it is a great thing to translate onto the stage but sometimes it really can flatline i don't know if you remember the the glee days <laughs> there was there was an episode where they sang a song by my chemical romance now i am a hardcore my chemical romance fan mm. they are artists but when they sang it they were in top to toe i'm not kidding every item of clothing was was tartan was like that checked pattern mm. and i was just like i understand why you think this but it was it was a really painful experience to watch it was just like you you've misunderstood the person you're representing and i think when you're representing other artists you give yourself a massive job um but then like I said, the music is designed to be live, so you have so much fun at rock musicals. And they're usually full of, like, crowd pleasers. Mm -hmm. And this is what I was saying before. Great. Great. What's wrong with going and seeing a story that works, you know, Whitesnake and Queen into it? Because guess what? There we could. Is that the only way left that we would have to see Queen music live without mm. finding some tribute band? So they, the atmosphere in a rock musical is really fun. It becomes a bit like a gig. People do jump up, and that side of it is great. Yeah. So that's a lot of that's my like generic 
um, opinion towards rock musicals. I hope it made sense. I know. Yeah, I no, it's good. Directions. And that's really helpful too to like really we're looking at like these specific types, like not Rent, not you know those. I don't think Rent is a rock musical. <laughs> it got branded as a rock musical in the nineties because it was kind of gritty, but it's still such a musical. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like it just is, and even rock music are because they are because because that's what they are so i think that it's difficult to do an original rock musical once was quite good for that but it yeah was, the music in once is more like acoustic-y folky right um but it is still stunning i really like that show yeah so that might break the rule i just said <laughs> <laughs> don't we love it yeah no once is a good one um, yeah, so of the ones that you mentioned that are, you know, these rock musicals, what, which one is your favorite? And um, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that first. <laughs> Let's start with Bat Out of Hell. Perfect. Because that was one of those albums that my mom would play for me. Mm-hmm. So I knew every song, every word, start to finish. And it is an album that works because it already has a story. Right. The album goes through um, the structure of a relationship. So you've got that, you've got the I'm crushing on this person song. You've got that first time losing your virginity song. You've got the mm-hmm. breakup song. So it, it really, um, I actually believe it was a show first, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that one. Um, so it's, and it's so glam rock. You've got the eight minute tracks. Right. You've got like, oh, it's just a brilliant album and it is really high energy you can't hold still during i can't hold still at least (laughs) during a lot of the songs um on the album and i think what i love about the show so i have seen it as well so i'm just in more of a position to talk about it right um they took a big swing it's weird but i kind of love it they've committed to the most bizarre plot I've ever known in my entire life. It's so strange that when I went on the seats, there was like um, a a newspaper article, flyer looking thing, Mm -hmm. explaining the weird dystopian world that we're in. So you like when you watch a movie and it uses the news to like fill you in and give you, um, what's the word? Not composition. Like the exposition? Exposition, thank you, yes. (laughs) So it's so weird that they literally have to kind of give you the information beforehand. Right. So the plot is that some, there's like a, some people have been born in a, with a genetic thing that means they don't age. So there's just this weird underground society of like ageless people. They're not immortal, but they are ageless. And it's it's really trippy at points and the staging oh my gosh the staging is so big and so crazy that what they have to do is they have to put cameras in different parts of the stage and actually stream what's happening onto a screen because you Mm. just can't see it all there's so much going on but you know i kind of respect that they've gone you know what let's just go a thousand percent with this and really make it something strange i think that's at least more interesting and more of an experience than rock of ages which has a very you know simple plot and is just a love letter to 80s rock music right again do your thing if that's what you want to be love it make it's a rock of ages is about bands trying to make it and doing gigs so Mm. they've just tried to make it as as gig-like as possible and I'm fine with that. But I just think it's more interesting and more unexpected the way that Bat Out of Hell ran with a crazy plot line. Like a crazy plot line. Um, the aesthetic is mental. It's like, it's a lot of mohawks. It's a lot of denim jackets. But why not? It's there. They've created a whole world. So in your world, do it your way. So right. that's great. I love um, the ability for any kind of jukebox musical to take a song and adapt it and make it feel relevant and not shoehorned in. And Bat Out of Hell did do that really, really well. Um, the moment that stuck out, stuck out, stood out to me <laughs> was, um, do you know the song Two Out of Three Ain't Bad? Maybe if I heard it, I don't, yeah. You might I might not, it's yeah. not, it's, it's from that album, this is the thing, right. and it's a breakup song. Shout, but you been cold to me so long I'm crying 
It's not used in the main plot. It's not used as a big heartbreaking ending or an ending to Act One. It's actually used in like a, a subplot between two of these these like members of the clan kind of thing. And they, yeah, I love that they're not main characters. And I also love that it's it's adapted and it sounds really soulful. And when I saw it, it was this this woman with just such a strong, like very low for a female pitch um range and it, and her voice just was stunning and it's her breaking up with him um saying i want you i need you I, there ain't no way i'm ever gonna love you and it was kind of a duet as well and i was just like i was not expecting that well done well done and it mm. felt like it was written for that exact moment in that exact story and it's very impressive when you haven't written the song to use it in that way Baby, we could talk all night But that ain't getting us nowhere I've told you everything I possibly can There's nothing left inside of here the songs and who wrote the book for for the show oh the songs are by meatloaf right you know the guy that went i would do anything for love and he's in rocky horror he's in the rocky right horror that he that's eddie that's like where i knew him from first as a kid from rocky horror yeah. picture show and then i realized he was actually a <laughs> an actual sing uh he's, singer he was huge in the 80s yeah. yeah so it's all his it's all his the music um nice Real, I've just double checked. I want to fact check myself. Um, Jim Steinem and mm -hmm. Meatloaf. Right, it's right. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's 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 a huge like eighties glam rock icon. Sitting at his piano with loads of like smoke around him, dry ice, like eyeliner. Love yeah. it. I love him in Rocky Horror. I love Rocky Horror for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. It was. I, Oh my gosh, we could do it all day. Um, and every t because I, I watch Rocky Horror for all the other stuff, you know, for Tim Curry, for Richard O'Brien, right. and every time Meatloaf enters, I'm like, oh my god, I forgot you were here. Right, <laughs> it's almost like a cameo, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Rocky Horror too. I mean, that that's also kind of you know rock, you know, rock music. I guess would you consider it a rock musical, even though it's. I think it's in there, actually. Yeah. I think it does a better job than Rent does of being a rock musical. Right. It's still, um, it's again, though, it's, it's done a similar thing where the whole world they create is so out there. Right. That you can't shoehorn it. And I, I love it for that because it's also, you know, it's also one of the most iconic queer musicals in history. Yeah. You know? um, and and I wouldn't want to, and with, with queer culture comes um, a slightly different um how would I phrase it? Like lens to look at it through. Mm -hmm. So you know, "Sweet Transvestite" isn't a rock song; it's a pride song, and you can be both. Mm -hmm. But um, for sure, I'm not saying yeah, rock music is not for the queer community. But I just think that Rocky Horror specifically, it's also a sci-fi. Right, right. It's those, it actually is a sci-fi. They're aliens. Those and they movies, travel through yeah. Space. It's so many things at once. 
and it's just so unique and brilliant. Yeah. And one thing that as as we're talking like about Bad Out of Hell and how they that the album was a story and then it yeah. it was on stage it, it does make me think of um the Who's Tommy which um I think had like a similar like the album was kind of written as like a a concept album a story there's a story to it and then later it became like a a stage show um it's so funny you should say that because I don't know that one but when I I messaged my co-host to see if he could speak with us today and he's not available and he sent some notes and he said Tommy is weird but had has um a great couple of songs (laughs) and I was like okay I'll try and work that in right (laughs) I'm really glad you did it well yeah, done. well, Tommy, Tommy, I know pretty well because there was a production in the like early to mid '90s here in New York, and then I saw the tour right. when it went, you know, around, and um, and I like I loved it as a I was like 12 when I saw it, and uh, I didn't even know it came from an album. Like to me, it was just I was seeing um, you know a musical with these songs that because I didn't know the the history of it. Um, but yeah, that definitely like has that similar history and structure where it's like the the songs come from this band, a rock band who um, had the story in mind already, and then you know theater director and and other creative uh, folks you know took that and and theatricalized it you know um, mm. in a way so. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the rock music, I mean, that story, like, especially because it's all about, it is, it is like, uh, what did Cole say, your co-host say about it? It's, it's weird. Or... He just said it's weird, but yeah. has some great music. Yeah, it is so weird. If you... <laughs> because... And I think that seems to be the pattern with rock musicals, doesn't it? Right. It's kind of weird, but with music we all love. <laughs> right. And Tommy is like, it's weird because it's like, it's in the mind of this character that, um you know, has, uh, I, yeah, I don't know how you would describe him really because like he, you know, they, they call him deaf, dumb and blind in the show, but he's obviously not that he's because then it comes out later that he can, you know, see here, you know, um, so he has like, um, you know, some developmental disabilities probably, um, from witnessing, uh, this murder as a kid and, or this, killing as a kid and uh so it's like to be to be in a in that mind you know the rock the rock music actually is such a great vehicle for really is, for that yeah. so rock of ages and we will rock you both of which i did not see but how do you think they compare to in other I, you mentioned a little bit but how do you think they compare to uh some of the other musicals that we've we've talked about well, so to be fair, I've only seen clips of them as well. I've seen their mm-hmm. like award, their performances at like the Tonys and things like that. Right. Um, so again, the spectacle is huge, and that's great. But they they're much more gig like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's there's just less emotional depth. Um, but again, they ran for ages. Yeah. And again, it just comes back to my point of just let it be what it is. If Rock of Ages is, is just a love letter to 80s, the biggest hits of the 80s, and you can criticise that and go ahead, but there will be people that get really excited to go. You know, We Will Rock You, the um, at the theatre, it was on at Trafalgar Square for years, and I walked past it a hundred times. Yeah. It's got like a kind of Freddie Mercury statue with his hand in the air holding the mic. Right. And it's, it is just... Like I said, I don't know them in as much detail, so I don't want to undervalue them. Right. But I think that they are much more crowd-pleasing, let's all just have fun, let's talk about how much we love rock and get people with massive long hair to stick their tongues out and (laughs) things like that. So I just think they're more fun. Yeah. uh, But definitely don't have the same depth. Yeah. So the Rock of Ages plot is, you know, people making it as bands and stuff, but why not? Right. One thing you said earlier that I thought was really interesting was like where like where can you get the perfor- these kind of performances of these songs? Um and that seems to be like a big appeal. Uh I mean, yeah, people want to go and they want to hear songs that they know and they love, but like the it's it's like the experience of being with these songs live in a theater at that level that's like not just, you know, uh, a cover band or a tribute band in like a bar 
or yeah. like you know the, at a wedding you know play somebody playing a band playing the songs and and whatnot to be and isn't that in a great theater. isn't it lovely that that this weird brand of rock specific jukebox musicals are preserving some really huge songs in in rock history i remember i went to see frankie um i went to see jersey boys which is about frankie valley mm-hmm. and the four seasons right and i was getting really frustrated um at how much people around me were singing along <laughs> i was like wait till the big numbers wait till like the big ones where everyone gets up right that's fine but like when when I'm getting like a really beautiful solo, y'all need to shut up. <laughs> I was like, but that might that was just me. I think yeah, people go back and forth on that one. But if there is ever a place to kind of sing along and have a party, it is at the rock musicals. Right, right. It was a really good show. It was very good, Frankie. Um, Jersey, Jersey Boys. Boys. Yeah, no, I actually found myself being surprised how much I enjoyed that one too me because too. yeah, you know that's that's not my type of music that I love and I don't I'm not as into jukebox musicals as other musicals but you know it it was just like really well done and a good story and a, and using that music well yeah. you know um and uh but yeah I think there are a lot of people there that were just like I love I love this music yeah. and um you know it's it's great to to be in the space with it again with these people exactly. who are like su- exactly. such high caliber singers i was just about to say that you right, know, right these people have worked so hard for years on their singing like for years i knew someone who was actually in a production of jersey boys and like it's not easy it's yeah frankie valley had such range my days so yeah just to appreciate the talent and the work that actually goes into doing those songs well and having that experience anything live anything whether it's music or shows or theater um is all about being present in the moment and having that moment in time and you've got to give it to rock musicals they're very good at that right very good at that right um, I want to go back. I wanted to go back to uh, Bat Out of Hell for a bit because I th- sure. since you like know and love that show. Um, I think in the latest episode of your podcast, you were talking about it and mentioned uh, that there was I think like going from the music to the theater version. There were there were some things maybe that changed or that were different, and I wondered if. Yeah. Maybe I have that wrong, but um... no, no, no. There were um, one thing I had. One thing I had left in my notes to bring up is the the album. To me, and I could be wrong. You know, we all read things in different ways. But the album I imagined it being, you know, Meatloaf writing about one relationship start to finish, mm-hmm. or at least wanting to tell the story of one relationship start to finish. Right. Even if he took inspiration from lots of different places. Um, whereas the show kind of dissected it a little bit and sent it in different directions Mm. so my favorite meatloaf song and potentially one of my favorite songs of all time um is paradise by the dashboard light it's the story of the of you know i remember everything as if it happened only yesterday so it's a flashback to losing his virginity Mm. to the with the being in a car at a drive-in to the prettiest girl in school like you can just picture it you know right and it and then it goes we're gonna go all the way tonight and then this female voice goes in this huge stop right there and she just like ah oh, really takes control and is like if we're gonna do this i want commitment from you mm-hmm. and that's the story within that song yeah um and it ends with started swearing to my god and on my mother's grave that i would love you to the end of time so now i'm waiting for the end of time because you're driving me crazy (laughs) so there's humor in there as well well i remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday
show now, the stage show, has two main plots, uh, which is the parents going through their own issues and then their daughter falling in love with a guy. So you've kind of got the young lovers and then the slightly jaded lovers. Mm -hmm. And they really do work vulnerability into it really well. But yeah, Paradise by the Dashboard Light got used by the parents, which makes perfect sense. Um, And they did, They again, they took it far. They did this whole, there was a car on stage, they were standing on it and singing. Um, And then there's this iconic moment in the stage show where the car goes looks like it's gone straight off the stage and into the orchestra pit so they want it to be as like punk as possible wow this sounds like i mean all the shows we're talking about it sounds like yeah as we've said like it just it's just like go big you know make yeah. it make it as big as rock music is you know Could possibly be i think that yeah. is very much yeah and i know it's not quite this is more of a jukebox musical but the moulin rouge film mm-hmm. does is oh my goodness i just love it so much and it does an incredible job of like i said before taking a song from decades before written by different people for different people and making it so relevant the sequence of roxanne hmm. is art they do you have you seen moulin rouge surely? yes but it's been a while so um so i'm not remembering take... it very well <laughs> so roxanne is is obviously sting mm-hmm. um and it's it's clearly written about a sex worker um, you don't have to wear that dress tonight. So it, it, so they found a song that fits with the plot of Moulin Rouge perfectly. But it's not just that. The way that they adapt it, they turn it into a tango. So you've got violins going da da da, and you've got this man with the most gravelly, sexy voice you'll ever hear singing. And it's just like, again, I, you could have told me if I didn't know that song already. You could have told me that song was written for that movie mm. at that moment because it's just brilliant and it fits and it's a fantastic sequence i just had to give it a shout out because again it's it's rock music being changed so maybe someone who saw sting live would go what are you what have you done what have you done with this with this piece of art whereas i'm there going they've done so much with this piece of art right right on that red light Walk the streets for money You don't care if it's wrong or if it is right Roxanne You don't have to wear that dress tonight Roxanne You don't have to sell your body to the night yeah, it's so interesting because, like, jukebox musicals, I mean, they kind of get a bad rap, but what is so interesting about them, at least to me, is that, like, it really takes these songs that we listen to without any storytelling context and, like, yeah. really puts a flashlight or puts a the spotlight on, uh, <laughs> puts a spotlight on, um, like, just how, like, that that song storytelling like that the individual yeah. storytelling of that song um which is not something that if you're just listening to it as a song you're always focused on so sure. like it it it's really cool when you know you're watching it the, the the jukebox musicals that do it well like yeah. really bring the storytelling of the individual song into a place where you can really see how that that's working and you know gives it another dramatic context yeah, yes that's but... exactly what i was gonna say yeah it gives it a context yeah gives it a character attaches it to something and, it, and and a lot of the time it can make you discover things about a song that you, right that you wouldn't have known about or even thought of yeah i mean we've talked a, a little bit about you know how these work better as as jukebox mu- box musicals versus original musicals but i wanted to mm. dig a little deeper into maybe why why that is and like why shows that are original musicals that tr- you know are using rock you know the rock idiom yeah. don't don't really succeed as rock musicals 
as For much sure. as the jukebox ones do. I mean, I would argue that you're trying to do too many things. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I see it. You know, um, if you go to see We Will Rock You, or if you go to see American Idiot, you know, I, I love Green Day. I've seen them live and they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, you know the music already. Right. So you're seeing it through the lens of, of a lover of rock music. Right. But they actually don't represent rock culture all that well mm. you know it's not it's not the same as a gig I, right uh, the 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 persona of a band is very different from the persona of a bunch of like right. musical theater grads <laughs> like they're just not the same um and you can get away with it when it is so obviously already rock music you know so if you're list if you if they're performing journey they're probably not performing it in the most rock way, but we all know, ah, it's rock music. Right. Or they've got the aesthetic. Rock of Ages is, like I said, great for like the long hair and the rock on signs. Right. But it is still done in quite a kind of pretty, dancey, people doing the splits kind of way. Right. But you've got you've got enough to go on. When that music is also original, where's the rock part? Mm. Even if it has got some guitars and some drums, like in fact, and like, let's talk about drums. Actually, I hadn't planned this, but drums are, are such an integral part of rock music. Right, and like we all love a guitar and we all love a big flashy note, but and, and so do I. But you know, I can't off the top of my head think of a rock musical. Like, are there drums in Rent? No, there's a guy who wants to write a love song mm. on his guitar. And has and has one riff that gets repeated six times. Right, right. But when is there someone on a stage with the drums? When is there someone playing the bass? You, like, mm-hmm. actually, School of Rock is brilliant. Oh, <laughs> right, School of Rock. Yes, because it is actually like let's take let's dissect what rock music is mm-hmm. and put it on a stage. And I I haven't seen um, the the stage adaptation. Yeah, I haven't seen it's it either. Still quite new. Yeah, and I do think that they are new original songs. Right, they but are. The whole, yeah. The whole plot of School of Rock is he's teaching these kids, play the bass, play the the drums. This is how we're going to do this. So they kind of have to do it well with rock music, you know? And the movie is... I love that film. Yeah. So that's a really good example. And now, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the School of Rock! I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ Superstar, I guess, has been called a rock opera. Um, Good example, actually. No, that actually is a very good example. Yeah, Uh, which um, I often say that I didn't realize I didn't really get what a rock opera was until I saw Jesus Christ Superstar. And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, yeah, calling it a rock opera is probably very accurate. Um, it's very again. It's it's a hundred percent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, superstar. Um, I think it's it's a favorite amongst male performers mm-hmm. because it's got some brilliant male solos, right? Like some right. big belters that are normally reserved for like sassy female characters. Right. Um, so it's really popular amongst so many like male actors I know are like, I love Jesus Christ, superstar. <laughs> sorry, sorry for swearing. um they love it so uh, it's an interesting little tidbit to just be aware of because i wouldn't think of it i don't i don't have to think about the best male solos because i don't audition with them right right (laughs) yeah no i'm trying to think of maybe some others that we may have missed i mean there i'm sure there's a ton that get called rock um one time i heard 
Miss Saigon called a, a rock musical, a rock opera, and I was like, no, no that's wrong. Not <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, I thought that was really weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Again, I wouldn't say Grease is rock music. Grease yeah. is not rock music. It's like a 50s yeah, style... Uh, I guess, yeah, it's kind of old rock and roll music, isn't it? It's kind of like the Elvisy side of things, which is still rock music, to be fair. So there's one I almost forgot to mention. Um, it's called The Commitments. Have you heard of it? The Commitments. Is that from the book? The Roddy Doyle book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I read the book, exactly. but I didn't know. Yeah. I, I read it, like, in college. I didn't realize there was a musical version of it. That's awesome. There is a musical version of it. It was quite big over here because it's Irish, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a... And, it's actually almost like they've taken the two big things that we've mentioned and merged them, which is the story, again, it's quite simple. Um, it's about um, a load of people trying to make it in music. Right. And it's got it's got good relationships in it. It's got, got conflict. It's got jealousy. It's got things like that. Um, but genuinely, you, if you didn't know that the music was already you know, a hit if it wasn't taken from other places. Um, you could be convinced that it was t a perfect biopic. So they make it really realistic. You could compare it to Jersey Boys. Mm. I would say it's more similar um, as a type of show to right. something like Jersey Boys than to something like Bat Out of Hell. Um, the music it uses is brilliant. And again, that was that was one of my experiences of the audience clearly waiting for the songs that they could get up. For. so after mm. like the bows it just became a bit of a gig for a couple of songs and everyone oh, got nice. up their seats and it was it was really fun and it, a fun fact that i only got off wikipedia um, <laughs> is that so there are two types of ways for music to be in a story right, right. there's people kind of, it, there's you go into the fantasy world where they're singing to express themselves which is in most musicals and then there's when the music would happen in real life right right, right. so if they go oh my gosh I, I need to do this gig god i hope it goes well and then they, <laughs> they do a song right um that's called is it i can't diegetic, diegetic? yep diegetic that's and not versus non-diegetic yeah so because it's diagenic, Doyle insists that it doesn't count as a jukebox musical. Oh, it's yeah. It's like, well, come on now. <laughs> yeah, this actually reminds me of one I saw recently, which could maybe fall into this category, which is Sing Street, which is by the people who did Once, the new their new musical. Yes. Uh, but also based on the, the movie, I guess, which I didn't see, but... I saw the I saw it right but like really close to you know everything shutting down, um, and it was supposed to go right. to Broadway but then didn't. Um, so I knew about the film. I didn't know they'd made a show of it. Yeah, yeah. It was. I thought it was well done, and um, you know the music. I the music isn't that that big rock music or anything similar to how Once is is more quiet mm. in that way, but it's it, it has a similar yeah. feel to it, and definitely the, you know it's it's you know young people you know, making music and, and so it's, it, it reminded me of the commitments. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's move on to the next section for why is this so good? And we're going to talk about the song Kiss Me from Sweeney Todd. And so you're one, you had suggested the second one, which is, is that the quartet? Is that the one? Yes. Yes. Exactly. The quartet. Yes. Exactly. Um, it's definitely a trope in musicals, but a trope that when it's done well is stunning. And that's when you have multiple songs layered on top of each mm, other. Yes, you know? I love so that. One Day More from Les Mis, big famous one. Like, it gets parodied. It's such a trope. But um, Kiss Me Part 2, my goodness. I was in a production of Sweeney Todd. So mm. I know the music very well at this stage. And yeah. I, know, I, I know it very well. Um, so you've got the song Kiss Me, which is between the young lovers and it's them saying we're going to run away together and every now and then someone goes kiss me and they haven't kissed yet I think right. that, at least in our production but I think that's usually the stage so that happens and it ends and then you have the, the, the judge the baddie um, talking with with Beadle his like little gross right hand man and they sing ladies in their sensitivity so mm. in the album it, kiss me part two is put on the end of ladies and their right. sensibilities a lot but when we rehearsed it we called it kiss me part two oh. <laughs> so you've got because it is no because in sorry that sounded like we just changed our minds right but in in the the manuscript that's what it's listed uh, as yeah yeah so you've got 
you've got Kiss Me as like the dominant track. You've got ladies and their sensitivities. But then, yes, it's also a quartet. And there are just certain things that I can't explain why they just work. But there is a moment when all of these four different singing parts that all stand on their own. And this is a really important part, in my opinion, to like the layering technique. That it, it, the reason it's so impressive is because you've seen all the songs individually and right. they're already good songs, right? Phantom of the Opera does it as well towards the end. Mm. There's a big moment where you've got um, Angel of Music, Point of No Return um and the love song all i ask of you all happening at once and it's stunning but kiss me part two does it beautifully and there's one moment and i think the violins join in on this bit as well where all four people sing at once and they just hit this perfect chord and the and yeah you the violins do like a and it just it just explodes No, I I love that part musically that you just referenced. Like I, when it opens yeah. up like that, the da na 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 na, it just it's such and a perfect it's such a perfect departure from what we've heard before. That when it's so like patter and and fast and which goes well with you know Joanna's yes. character because she's like very nervous you know and all that and has been she's very frantic locked up and you know the but uh but yeah that 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 sweeping like departure there is just moment uh, yeah it's just gorgeous and also on what i was saying before about jesus christ superstar having great male singing uh so does sweeney todd sweeney todd's got some incredible male vocals Mm -hmm. and um the the male part the part i believe sung by the beetle in this bit is really high it is Mm. a straight up falsetto yeah so you know it's it's challenging and i remember um so before i was in a production I knew the film and I think I'd watched um, a Sydney Opera House version of it that was really good, but I was by no means um, an expert on Sweeney Todd. I found the audition very difficult because it's very tricky music. Sondheim writes music in a way that sounds like we're speaking and Mm. it doesn't leave much space for breathing and it's really challenging. as I was reading over the lyrics to it one part really struck me um and it goes by like so fast because Joanne is talking so fast but yeah and and, and, I heard a noise yeah all yeah yeah, all those parts but she's talking about her reticule is that how you pronounce it my my reticule she's like my mother gave it to me and it's like and Anthony's like no you why take it we'll buy you one you know and yeah um but it's just so like she wants to take it because it was her mother gave it to her and it's like so important yeah. to her and like he's like no no you know 
we have to go, like, don't leave it behind, you know. I don't know, That it just struck me as something that's just, like, whooshes by, that's, like, not even something I ever thought about, but, like, looking at the lyrics, I'm like, wow, that's such, like, a moment where she's, like, trying to take something that's important to her, and he's, yeah. like, push it, <laughs> like, trying to push it aside. I don't know. Just thought that was so interesting. And then he, she also says at another point, with you beside me on Monday... So will I care what things I lack? Mm-hmm. I think the idea is um, we need to get out of here. Right. I think that's the point. She's like, um, what will I wear? I dare and pack. And he goes, yeah. we need a train. Like he's like, right. He's trying to get her out. Yeah. 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 And she's, and you know, she does the whole, I think I heard a noise. I think I heard a noise. Like, oh my gosh, she's going to find me. Like, um, Joanna is on the surface quite, um, an uninteresting character because she she doesn't do a huge amount but the the plot kind of revolves around her a lot right you know she's the common denominator for everyone but through on a surface level she's you know pretty and young and right very dull like but in in some of those moments there's a lot going on there's a yeah. lot going on there's paranoia there's fear there's trauma so much and trauma I think that, yeah <laughs> The more that we move forward as, as as people and as performers, the more we spot those things mm-hmm. and read into them and, again, see it just through a slightly different lens. I don't know Sondheim, and I don't want to undermine his genius, but the, the, he might not have thought too much about these lyrics. It's just, oh, she's really scared, mm-hmm. um, and he's trying to get her out of there. Whereas, you know, the more we hear them and the more we, we address it, and we're, we're looking at it with our understanding of mental health and trauma and things like that, it, right. it, it can become... Oh, whole other thing yeah i mean i love how you said in the beginning like this is it's the layering i i I look at it kind of like a like a puzzle like all these puzzle pieces like fitting together and you know sondheim loved puzzles but i mean um but like that's kind of how it, it feels to me like all these these are all the pieces and now we're just gonna like fit them all together in these ways where they weave in and out of each other and yeah i wonder if and speculation but i wonder if um the the big version is written first mm. and then each line is taken out and Tease expanded out. upon yeah maybe or if because then you know it's going to work you know you work you start from the crescendo yeah. and work outwards um because it would be very difficult to write four separate songs and just hope they fit <laughs> like i find that hard to believe yeah yeah no that's totally possible but yeah, the late it really impresses me. I I mean I'm a huge fan of of orchestral stuff, and I I was obsessed with Phantom of the Opera for years, mm-hmm. and I watched all the like extra bits on on the on the DVD that I had, and he's like conducting this orchestra, and I just remember just be, my mind just being blown of like I can understand writing you know a melody and a harmony, but my brain can't create those the amount of layering and layering and layering that goes into like right. orchestra music and i think andrew lloyd webber is very good at that yeah yeah i'm talking about phantom because he did right phantom, phantom. obviously sweeney told him right right yeah 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 <laughs> it is satisfying when things come together in in that way like the way the, the layering yeah. and the puzzle like nature that we're talking about like there is like very satisfying it isn't, it isn't one it. person's big final note you know yeah. what I mean? It's not a solo moment, and I think that it's a it's a very impressive quartet where yeah. they, the song would not exist without each of those voices, and it's just stunning. Yeah. Well, great. Well, let's move on to our final section, which is called something wonderful, and uh, we'll just you know talk about either uh, something coming up or something we've seen recently in the musical theater realm. Not not just seen, but something where you know could be a book or a program or you know something that uh we are excited about or want to give a shout out to i saw not long before the lockdown everybody's talking about jamie mm-hmm. um i don't know how how big that is in the u.s but it's it's really i mean um, i keep hearing about it yeah <laughs> it's it's um it's kind of Billy Elliot S, mm-hmm. but, but about a young boy wanting to be a drag queen i love how much um the drag community is getting noticed and getting brought into out, outside of their own world and more into the mainstream and I think that's amazing Hades Town was brilliant I saw it at the National in London I mm. think Christmas 
a year or two ago, or obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, oh my goodness, it was a merge of so many of my favourite things. I'm a huge fan of myth. Mm. I actually did my degree in ancient Greece. Oh, nice. Um, so I love, the, I love seeing adaptation of myth done well. Um, I love the the kind of soulful music, the way mm. they did the muses and everything. Yeah. Wait for me. That song, my goodness, mm. when he's on the way to Hades Town and he's singing "Wait for Me, I'm Coming." Yeah. That got to me. Oh, this is something I would love to give a shout out to. Actually. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I thought of it while we were on this call. <laughs> yes. There is something called Operation Mincemeat. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so, quick rundown. I have no investment in this. I just really care. So yeah. there is a band. It, it, it fits this today's theme so oh, well. Nice. I'm just so proud of myself for thinking of it. <laughs> There's a band called Felix Hagen and the Family. Uh-huh. I am a huge fan of that band. I, yeah. Me and a friend of mine have been watching them since before they were very successful we've been watching them since they've been opening for bigger bands and i love them and mm. their music is a fantastic combination of of rock music but music that would really work on stage mm. it's really high energy and just stunning i'm a huge fan so that band is called felix hagen and the family felix hagen has now written a musical oh nice and it's brilliant so it's called operation mincemeat which was a real thing that happened during the war where um the english secret service or whoever Mm -hmm. (laughs) mi5 is over here um they they tricked hitler so they basically created this is all true they basically created a character a, a person with a full identity gave him financial records and love letters you know created a fake person and put fake evidence in mm. their bag yeah. and washed up them on the shore so basically feeding false information to oh, the german wow. army yeah and it was it was actually something that led to saving a lot of lives mm. so that's the plot it's based right. on but it's written by this incredible rock musician who clearly has a love for musical theater a lot of the cast does a cheeky bit of gender bending and mm-hmm. i'm here for it mm-hmm. i love um I love playing with gender in casting and in stories. It's just so much fun. At points, it's borderline sketch comedy. It's like, there's a song called Born to Lead, Mm -hmm. which is sung by like the very posh kind of Eton boys of England. Yeah. And it goes, some were born to follow, we were born to lead. Mm -hmm. So there are points where it's funny and it's, it's really out there. And then there are points where it's so tender and I don't want to give away too much, but like there are emotional points, there are funny points. It's just an absolute brilliant mesh of wonderful things. Um, I saw it live not long before the lockdown, um, loved it. It was completely sold out. It got a load of newcomer awards. They're doing another run at the moment at the time of recording. I don't know how long it's going to be for, but I really, really believe that that musical is is gonna go places oh nice it's so good i'll definitely keep my Um, eye out for it it's brilliant it's still very fresh like i cannot for love or money find a way to download the songs Mm. i just don't think they've done a cast recording yet um but it's going really well i there was i'm so sure and i'm not saying this to insult hadestown i'm saying this to say how good it is they were nominated against hadestown and won for an award oh and hadestown is stunning right so I just, yeah, I would love to give them a shout out. I'm a huge fan of them as artists, as musicians, as theatre makers. I've met them in person a few times and they are lovely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's. it's called Operation Mincemeat. Look awesome. it up. I will definitely, yeah, as I said, I'll definitely keep my eye out for it. That sounds like a great musical. Um, it yeah. really is. I don't have too much. I guess I'm just excited for the new James Lapine book about Sunday in the Park with George that's coming out or it's out already. Um, I've ordered my copy. I haven't received it yet. So hopefully it comes soon, <laughs> but I'm excited Fingers for, crossed. I'm excited for that book um, to go, you know, more in depth into uh, the making of that show, which is one of my favorites. 
And of course, one more thing I would really love to mention is my podcast, which is called Riffs and Scripts. I talk about my work as an actor and producer across theatre and film and television. And my co-host, his name is Cole. He has been managing his band for 10 years and he talks about his work in music, in the band industry, in gig culture. We chat about pet peeves. We tell funny stories. We give advice and we just have a lot of laughs so I would love it if people could check it out as well thanks thank you all for listening to this episode of scene to song you can write to scene to song at gmail.com for the comment or question about an episode or about musical theater we'll answer your questions on our season finale please also email if you'd like to be a podcast guest Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by taking a moment to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Scene to Song, on Twitter at Scene Song, and on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. (laughs) 